Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast, presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. everybody. My name is Ashley M. Lyle, and I am the founder and CEO of Black Literature and Art Queens Network and your host for Black Queens on Stage. Today, we've got a great guest. We're interviewing Miss Elise King. She is a phenomenal songstress, a beautiful person all the way around. I was just in her talent show that she had last night on her Instagram account, and, you know, just highlighting a lot of different talented people that we have here in Michigan. Let me just tell you uh, a little bit about Black Literature and Art Queens Network. So BLAQN, which is Blacken, is about honoring and acknowledging Black women performers and encouraging equity, diversity, and inclusion in Michigan performance spaces and venues. Hi! Hello, hello, how are you? Hey, how are you, lady? I'm doing good. Good, good. I'm so glad that you're joining me today. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I've only been shortly aware of how incredibly talented you are and the different music that you've created. I was actually, while I was getting ready, listening to your SoundCloud, and it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So um, let me just ask, first of all, how are you doing? Like, how's everything going during, you know, the the pandemic and our quarantine? (laughs) It's going. I'll just say that it's going. It's not as good as I would like it to be. But nonetheless, I'm blessed, of course, as a artist. Um, It has handicapped me in a lot of ways as far as because I, you know, do music for a living. So I can't do that now. So it's just been an adjustment. It's been an adjustment, but I have. Like I said, I have angels that have camped around me, and I have not went a day hungry. I ain't went without, you know, so, um, and I've still been able to do my music. Um, I've really been just focusing on writing, um, writing a lot of uh, music, and also I created a social media platform to do my open mics and my showcases online as well. Um, So I was still able to do my music in that way, but right now I'm just ready to get the gears back up and running because you know my entire tour got canceled oh wow Um, i was set to open for kiki wyatt that got canceled luckily before the pandemic hit i was able to uh, open for shaka khan in january so i was able to get that opportunity but it was it's so many opportunities i can't even tell you (laughs) that I, i i lost out on but nonetheless i'm healthy i did not get sick i'm safe i'm safe so you know, I'm happy. That's good. That's really good. Um, but yeah, speaking, speaking of angels and you creating your talent show online, I was so glad to see that because it's just, it's amazing how much talent is here in Michigan, let alone Detroit period. So seeing, seeing you put on this talent show, I was like, Oh, she's doing this. Okay. She's, she's got her own little show going. Okay. I'll see you. (laughs) So basically, um, when I'm not touring, when I'm here in Detroit, I'm normally I normally play like the casinos, and then in my spare time, I do open mics and showcases, and that's to put artists such as myself 
on a stage or a platform that they normally might not be able to reach or just put them in front of booking agents or festival directors. You know, I want to be able to give back to my fellow creatives. So I I felt bad because we actually had like four events planned and they all got canceled down in Music Town Detroit and at uh, Read the Jazz Cafe. So they all got canceled and I felt bad because we had some amazing artists. So I'm like, what can I do? So I'm like, well, at least use your, your networking, use your connects. So I created the online platform and I'm like, well, you know, I'm without, I can't, you know, pay these artists for what they're doing. So I know that I'm struggling right now and, you know, I could use help. So, and I'm, I'm pretty sure other creatives can. So what can I do? So I reached out to some business owners, some networking events, some connects I made, some vendors. And I'm like, hey, do you guys want to sponsor these events and you guys can promote your businesses? In the meantime, it didn't matter the amount of, they gave a dollar. I was going to flash their business card or their logo on the screen or just promote them on, on my pages. So it was like a win-win for everyone. Nice. So that's how we were able to, start getting pots, you know, the money pots to be able to bless artists. Last night, the first time since we've been doing this, we had a four-way tie. Really? We had a four-way tie. We were only giving away $100, but we had a four-way tie. And because of the top four, we chose, it was eight artists that went. And from out of the eight artists, we chose four to go to the top four. And we were going to choose two winners. The four, top four were so amazing. We just blessed them all with $50. Nice. We had people on the live, and they saw the live, and they just wanted to pour into, you know, them, and we were able to do that. So last night felt amazing to do that. That's great. God, that's so awesome. You know, I I hate that I didn't get a chance to finish watching it to see who won, because there was a lot of great talent on there. Yeah, man, it was, especially in, in your friend that was behind you, Singer Rain. Yes. That song was phenomenal. Oh my God! I was grooving to it. I loved it so much. I will definitely let her know that you love it. She, that's her her new single called Voodoo. She has a lot of stuff coming up, so I can't wait to hear and just see everything that's gonna happen with her because she is absolutely crazy talented. Yes, yeah, that was that was just just the whole idea of you doing that talent show was just absolutely great. I I I applaud you for that. So congratulations on that. Good job for that. Yes. Well, let, let's. I mean, since we've already started questions, let's really get into this interview, okay? <laughs> so why don't you describe to me your style of singing? <laughs> if I had to describe my style of singing. It would be powerhouse, yet soothing. Mm. A lot of people tell me that my vocals put them in the mindset of Aretha Franklin or Jennifer Hudson or Fantasia or Whitney because I have that high range and I'm able to belt the notes as well, but I'm also able to make it smooth. So I don't know. And then, you know, I I got the gospel in me, so you get the Kimberrell, you get the... Okay. I, I can definitely hear that myself. Like when I first started listening, the first thing that I started listening to was your performance opening for Shaka Khan. And when I was listening to it, I, I definitely was not expecting that voice to come out of your mouth. I was like, whoa, I was, I was so blown away. So blown away. So that, and that, that had to be one hell of an opportunity to be able to open for her. Right. Is that, would you say that's your proudest moment? I would definitely say between opening for her and when I opened for Aretha Franklin. Mm. Because those two ladies right there, they paved the way for me to be able to do what I've been able to do. You know, me 
meet, I, I was able to meet Aretha Franklin right for her, um, pay tribute to her before she passed. And then I was kind of on the fence about Shaka because, you know, you hear about these artists having these deeper personas. And <laughs> she was one that you heard have one of those personas. And, you know, they was like, well, you won't get a chance, to, uh, opportunity to go back and meet her like you've done before with other artists that you've opened for. And I just was like, aw. But after, you know, so I wasn't expecting to meet her that day. But after I opened for her and I got on stage, her team greeted me at the, the side of the stage, backstage, and they was like, Shaka, I want to meet you. She, so, said, she told them that? She said, I want to meet her? She told them that. So her team and the vice president of Motor City Casino, they escorted me backstage, backstage to Shaka's dressing room, and I got a chance to meet her, talk with her, and take photos. Oh, my God. How, how did you feel in that moment? I was shaking. Shaking. <laughs> experiences you only get like once or twice in a lifetime man <laughs> once or twice per person you know so <laughs> right, right. I, 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 I've been, I, I don't, that's why I don't take these opportunities for granted because I have been blessed to meet some legends to work with some legends I got to open for and pay tribute to the Jackson 5 wow I have opened for George Clinton Bobby Brown Kelly Price Drew Hill so I don't take any of these opportunities for granted I just count it all joy Wow. Oh my goodness. The experiences you had. God, you can't trade trade that for anything in the world. But now it was when I was listening to you perform for Shaka, it was hard to hear the audience. I guess it's just some kind of way they have it set up. But tell me what yeah. So tell me what what kind of audiences you you uh, you form when you're performing. Um, most of the audiences that I perform in front of, they're diverse diverse. I love to have fun on stage. I love to create a story with my sets. I love to paint pictures. I want to make people go through the, the motions when they hear me. I want to make them fall in love, reminisce, laugh, dance. I want to make them remember, you know, because a lot of people, they don't remember the opening performance because they're mm-hmm. not there to see me. Right. They're there to see that hairliner, that Shaka, that Aretha, that Fantasia. But I want them to remember me. And so far, it's been working out. Of paying off because I'll go somewhere and be like, You that girl that opened for Shaka? Or, you know, I opened for George Clinton in 2015, and some people are like, You see, you that girl that opened for uh, George Clinton, you had them all white, you know. So it's like, I just try to, you know, create memorable performances from attire to what we're wearing to what we're performing to the people I have on stage with me because energy is a lot. Mm-hmm. Energy is a lot for me on stage, so I need for my squad, my team, my band members to match my energy. Anybody working behind the scenes from my hairstylist to my makeup artist to my wardrobe stylist, you know, it all pours into what I give on that stage. You know, it all mm-hmm. pours into what I give on that stage. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it the, the audience, you know, like I say, I just I think I just formulate love and just happiness. 
Nice. Oh man. And you did, you did put on one hell of a show before Shaka Khan came on. And, and there was a, another one that I saw where you were at a festival. I want to say Ann Arbor, but I know that's not right. But it, you, you were just putting, putting on a show there and it, it was, it's amazing to watch you. It, it really, really is amazing to watch you. How would you say that you have progressed as a singer? Um, as a singer, I have progressed in, in learning um, how to watch the crowd, how to watch reactions, to know what songs to perform when. Mm-hmm. How do you know that? Sometimes, okay, so you know, as an artist, we want to go in knowing what we're going to do. So with the casinos, I do three one-hour sets. So I'll have a set list of 10 songs for that, for that hour. And sometimes I may not go off of that paper because I'm going off the energy of the room. I could have these four, these 10 songs lined up, but when I get on stage, I never know what I'm going to do because I have to read the room. I have Mm. to feel the room. I have to feel the energy. And maybe those songs don't correlate or correspond to what's going on in that room. Mm. So sometimes it's switched up. I can be prepared as I want to be, but energy is ever changing. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and I, think, I, think, I think that that's one of the ways that I've progressed is to not be so structured as a singer, to not just be so planned because, like like I said, music is diverse. Music is ever-changing. So I can't just go in there and, you know, just have a straight line on this. Is, I'm going to sing this song here. But the mood isn't saying that. You know, you have to just be able to read your audience and read your crowd. So I think I've gotten better as far as being not just a singer but a performer and an entertainer. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to read the room like that, that, that must take, I, I would say that would probably take a lot of concentration and, and preparation on your part. What, what kind of preparation would you say that you do before a performance? It does. It takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of concentration, but it also, I have a great team on stage with me. I have my musical director. I have my assistant musical director, you know, my, my band members and my background singers. And we're a team. And sometimes, even if I won't see it, they will. So sometimes, you know, sometimes we might call out different songs. I'll turn around, like we may play one song, and I've got the audience in a groove, and I'll turn around to my musical director, like, okay, let's do this song. And he'd be like, Lily, I feel like we should do this song. And as him being my musical director, and him having that musical instrumental ear that I don't, I trust him. So my band's on fire. When they're feeling, we all just flow. Mm-hmm. We go with it. You can't practice that. Right. You can't practice that. That's built over time. Mm-hmm. That connection, that energy, that's built over. You can't practice that feeling. You can't practice that groove. Like I said, you can put down all day what songs will sound good or what songs you want to do. But when you get on stage, it can change like that. So you just have to always be prepared. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm not going to choose a song that we haven't done in five years. But I do trust my band that if I did choose a song we haven't done in five years, that they should know it. They are up to par musicians and up to par singers. What kind of, what what does the rehearsal process look like? (laughs) You want to know the truth? Sure. Give me the truth. (laughs) And if a band was on here, they would tell you, we barely rehearse. I'm just being honest, me and my band, we have not had, the only time we rehearsed is when we opened for Shaka Khan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that, is the only, that is the only time we literally have rehearsed though in 2019. Well, 2000, yeah, 2019, that was the only time we had a rehearsal and it was at the end of the year. But we did not rehearse any of last year. 
y'all just having too much fun with each other. Now, if, if it's, okay, so that's not t- that's not typical. So I'm a planner, I'm a preparer, so I will send new set every couple months because you want to keep your set list, um, especially when you're doing covers, um, you want to keep your set list fresh. You don't want to do the same songs and same performances because your audience gets tired, especially when we, we were doing the casino, you know, three times a month. So you can't go on stage three times a month with the same stuff, even though the audience members will request it. You know, you have to give them your request, but you also have to have those fresh songs, those new songs. So I'll just send the music. I will trust my musicians to learn it on their own. I will have, I will trust my singers. They know their parts to learn it on their own. And if we did a rehearsal, we would come together and do one rehearsal. As a full band, I would have maybe one rehearsal with the vocals by themselves because I'm very particular about my harmonies. My harmonies have to be on point. Uh, I, I, I like very difficult harmonies on stage. I don't mm. like the traditional harmonies. I want to hear that note in between that some people are trying to figure out. We about to sing that note. That's what we about to do because they trying to figure it out, but we know it. So my assistant musical director, he's a note Nazi. Okay, so if you hit a wrong note on stage, that's it. He gonna give you the eye. This is what you gonna get on stage. <laughs> and then after, after, after stage, she gonna be like, you know, I heard it right. So. So yeah, that that that's our rehearsal process. Honestly, I think last I think last year, like I said, we maybe rehearsed twice. Maybe rehearsed twice. Okay. <laughs> well, what what kind of uh, what kind of techniques did you learn early on in your career to get you where you are today? Honestly, when you say techniques, it's kind. Of, I don't really know how to explain it. I would just say I wouldn't call them techniques. I would call them lessons. Okay. I would say bumping my head or running into people that misused me as an artist. I had to learn what I did wrong from those things. And those things taught me what I needed to do right. The music business is always up and down. Um, You never know what you're going to get. But it taught me to be able to be prepared and things. I can't. As much as I, because I'm a very open and giving person, it just always taught me to have my paperwork in order, okay? To always have things on the dotted line, signed, sealed, and delivered. Make sure that deposits are there to make sure that before I even show up to the venue, the rest of that money is paid because there have been times where, you know, coming up in the music business, you trust in people and you have an agreed amount that you're set to and then when you get there, it's changed. And now you got five and six band members looking at you like, well, you know, what are we going to do about our money? There were plenty of times where my band got paid, but I didn't. Wow. I took that loss because it was my responsibility to secure that. And that was a big lesson that I had to learn. I had to learn my work, what I was worth. I had to learn the business, business side of things. And so I think that was, that's the biggest like technique. Okay. What would you say was the biggest lesson that you learned in all of that? in the situations that you were talking about? The biggest lesson that I learned in all of that is that, uh, how do I say this? There are things that you need. There are there are definitely things that you need people for in this music industry, especially if you want to get to the next level. But there are things that you can do for yourself that you don't necessarily have to pay someone else to do. Since 2015, I have been self-managed. I do not have a manager. In 2014, I had a manager. When I had that manager, I signed a bad deal. My career, and I was just starting off, but I, I had come from singing with the band, so I had created a fan base. People knew who Elise King was, and I felt like the deal I signed at that time with that local record label, they uh, 
saw an opportunity and they pounced on it. Mm. And they just wanted to make money off of who I was and what I was doing. And I didn't see that because I'm just so happy. Well, I got a deal, but they didn't do anything for me. Nothing. I was just able to say I was a part of this company. But there was absolutely not one thing that they did for me. I paid for my own studio time. I paid for my own uh, materials, my own projects. I booked all my own gigs still. They never booked me a gig. And I was still shelling money out to them. So I'm like, well, what do I need them for? Right. What is it that I needed them for? So the biggest thing that came out of that for me is that trust yourself. I had to learn how to trust myself that when I feel something is wrong, go with it. You know what I'm saying? Investigate. Make sure, you know, that, you know, I got all my ducks in a row. But just trust your gut in this business. Like I said, um, I've been very particular because, like I said, I have been burned in this business. So I haven't had a manager since, and I've been very successful. But I am at the point now to where I do need one because I just want to be an artist. Right. Because right now I'm tour manager. I'm booking manager. I'm the artist. I do everything from our own graphics to our contracts, negotiations. Uh, The only thing I don't do is wardrobe, hair, and makeup. And sometimes I do hair and makeup. Mm. So um, it's gotten to the point to where now I just want to be an artist. So I think that was the the biggest thing for me. Whew. Man, I can't can't even imagine. (laughs) I can't even imagine that. You telling me the different situations that you went through with bad management. Explain a moment where your blackness and your womanhood were put into an uh, undesirable situation. And how did you overcome it? I'm not going to say this particular festival's name. Okay. I have my fellow creatives. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, we may discuss, if we get on the same festival, we may may discuss, yeah, I got that festival too. I got this slot and they paying, girl, they ain't paying much. They giving me this and the other. And then when you talk to somebody else, they giving them this and it's a guy. Mmm. And it's like, okay, well, no offense to you as an artist. You my homeboy and all, but I've been doing this longer than you. My credentials are way, you know, it surpasses what you are doing. Why is it that me and my squad are getting this and you guys are getting that? Especially when the slot that I have is the head, headliner slot. Oh, wow. Wow. I get, I, I get the prime time slot, but not the prime time pay. You get the earlier spot with the pay that I initially wanted. I have I have had that happen to me mm-hmm. several times. And it's nothing to take away from male artists right. or men at all. But sexism does exist in the music industry. It does. You know, so sometimes that's why I, I want a male manager. I want a male mm-hmm. manager. I don't I don't take anything away from females. It's just I feel like having that male manager can get me a little bit further because people respect me and more for whatever reason you know and it's it's like it should not be that way because i can do just as much as a man can if not more so it's a lot of uh limitations placed on me because i'm a woman you know after that experience i never did that festival again because i wasn't the only female that had that issue it was other creatives that i had spoke with just because i wanted to make sure i wasn't crazy Mm -hmm. and these were women who had to pass me and what they were doing and they were like, well, yeah, well, yeah, they gave me that too. And I'm, and I, you know, but this, this man getting this. And I'm like, that's a, a all guy or all male. Wow. And it, it was just like, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. There are, there have been some times where my color has played a part in it. You deal with different personalities. You deal with different people. You deal with different companies. I've even had to deal with 
with uh, a situation where one of my team members was called a monkey at an event we were doing. One of my team members was called a monkey. By someone who was not black? By someone who was not black and by someone who was working that event. Jesus. And, of course, my team member reacted. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have to, you know, you know, hey, we are at work. Right. You know, we're at work. Yeah. We're contracted. So we end up doing the event. Mm. Um, but afterwards, you know, I definitely let my voice be heard. And what was crazy is that instead of them apologizing or reprimanding that employee, they wanted my team member to apologize to that team member. Why? What for? Because he felt threatened. Ah. Mm. Whoo. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Of course. You, he's going to feel threatened after you called someone a monkey. Right. Of course. All, all my team members said is what you say to me. But because because I, I guess his face was scrunched up or mm-hmm. he, you know, was angry. You felt threatened. Okay. What is he supposed to do? Say it with a smile? <laughs> so that, God. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot that you deal with. Mm. It's a lot that you deal with. Jesus. Did you ever feel like you had to work double or even triple harder than everyone else because of situations like this? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. There have been events or festivals or things that I won't do anymore only because um, not not so much that I've done them. But if I played year one and let's just say if I played for the first year and starting off seven hundred dollars. Mm hmm. When I come for year two, I'm not expecting $700 because now you've already seen what I can do. Mm-hmm. You've seen the fan base. You've seen my show. You see how I've you see my resume of what I've done throughout the year. Here's my minimum, you know, or what I'm, you know, I'm always open to negotiations, but I don't want to be, you know, play. So here's what I want. And I don't get that. Then year three, you come back around and you're offering me the same amount. It's like, but Mm-mm. other fans mm-hmm. are getting way more and they sound horrible. They sound a hot mess, but you want us up there because, you know, we're going to stay. We're going to give you a good show. Right. And it's not all the time. It, this doesn't happen all the time. I, I would say I can count on one hand how many bad experiences I've had as far as race or my sex, you know, um, because for the most part, I've, I've had amazing experiences. But the couple experiences I have, they've stuck with me mm-hmm. to know how to be able to handle them. Um, when they do come, and I know how they made me feel. You know, they want you to bring your 10-piece band, but they want to pay you $300. No, 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 no. You're not going to do that. No. You're going to give me my worth, or you're not going to give me at all. You want to be able to say you have Elise King performing, but you don't want to pay Elise King Elise King money. You know, no offense, you're not going to get Jennifer Hudson up there and think you about to give her chump change. That, that's not, it's not happening. It's not happening not happening at all you know the music business it's it's 90 business 10 now would you say you you were mentioning that because of the color of your skin because you're a woman those have played factors into negative experiences would you also say that size played in that as well I, as a fellow big girl um, you know we come across those situations there, there i won't say size has played a, a thing in it mm-hmm. i would say that there are certain things that I wanted to do that I couldn't do because of my size, um, because I'm an actress as well. But sometimes they're looking for, they will have on there, we want a girl that's 4'11 or 5 feet tall, cocoa skin, and that can sing, can do like choreography, but she has to be 130 pounds. Well, you just described me, other tack, but just tack on another 100 pounds, you know? But because I'm overweight, 
my weight plays in a factor. If I can do if I can do it, I'm what you're asking for. It's a lot of stuff, like it's a lot of musicals that I wanted to do, but I can't do them. It's a lot of stuff, even with, you know, like the Motown musical that came, other musicals that came. Everybody was little bitty back in the day. Everybody was skinty. You know, so <laughs> I can't, even though I qualify, I can't go for those because I'm a big girl. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it has made me want to restructure the way that I look, but I look at it like this. God don't make no junk, so why am I going to change his perfection? Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Now, have I have I dropped weight to get healthy? Yes, I have. But I'm not going to discredit my masterpiece. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I was doing that for years trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to fit in. Right. Hey, I don't blame you. So tell me about a time when you had the opportunity to work with a diverse group of people. Oh, I have opportunities all the time. That's good. Um, I most of, because I do, I don't do the club scenes a lot. I haven't done the club scenes in years. I stopped doing that because they want to, they want you to play for four hours and give you a hundred dollars and a bucket of chicken. I ain't got time for that. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) So I do a lot of corporate events. Um, I do a lot of private events. I go for the big contracts for the casinos in and out of state. I do my own um, tour every year. I try to do R&B soul festivals, gay pride festivals, any festival that's looking for a stranger, I want to be on it. Okay. Um, I don't put myself in a box. I can sing anything. I have been on a country music festival. Nice. I have done a pop festival, um, and we will shift to be able to fit that criteria. But I do a lot of work with John Whitson Associates. They do the River Days, the Arts Meets and Eats. They do the Winter Blast. I do a lot with Aretha's Jazz Cafe. I do a lot with Music Town Detroit. Yeah, I, I do a lot with a lot of diverse, you know, people. So, yeah. Nice. Well, that's good. That's really good. Now, tell me what kind of moral support you get for your music career. Um, moral support, my fans and supporters are absolutely amazing. I tell people all the time, I don't have a billion followers. I don't get a million views. But let me tell you something, the 10, 20 views I get, the hundreds or thousands of followers that I do have, I appreciate every single one of them you know all it takes is one person mm-hmm. all it takes is one person my job as an entertainer is simply to do that to entertain when you come to my show i want to make you forget whatever bullcrap you were dealing with at home or at work i want to make you have an amazing time and i'm going to do just that you know i want to see that that lady that walked into their walked into that room frowned up leaving out hat with a big smile painted on her face the money is great because I'm able to now, you know, make a living doing what I'm doing and, and, and pay my bills to where I don't have to work a nine to five. Plus, the most rewarding is when you get off stage and someone walks up to you and they tell you, oh, you encouraged me or that was my mom's favorite song. And, you know, today is her birthday and she passed, but you didn't know that. And I just felt like you were used to do that because I was really sad when I walked in here or, you know, stuff. They want to take a picture with little old me. It's stuff like that. That, that's that's got to give you like that warm you know warm fuzzy feeling inside when you hear stuff like that a lot of time a lot of people don't know what go on behind stage right they don't know what happens off camera when the lights are not on it's times where i don't want to be elise king i just want to be lily you know i just want to get up on stage and put on the hair and the makeup and the clothes I just want to sit at home with my messy bun and my pajamas. So when I get those encouraging messages or when people are sharing and supporting my music, 
that support, that moral support is absolutely everything to me. Mm-hmm. Because there are, like I said, there are just days where I just don't want to do it because I'm going through something myself in my own personal life. And now I got to get up here and entertain you like I ain't going through, you know, so... I mean, but music is therapy and music is healing. Mm-hmm. So while I'm trying to heal others, I'm healing in the process. Now you were you were talking about that you're an actress as well. What um what have you performed in, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I've done a few plays. Um, I've done uh, Mark Hunter's "I Can't Make You Love Me." I've played in Jay McLean's "What Flag." I can't think of the other ones. It was like two more Jay McLean plays and another. Mark Hunter play, um, but I'm looking forward to getting back into it for 2020. We'll talk. We'll talk after this because I I, I, I can give you my hookup. (laughs) Have you performed at any of the theaters here in Michigan? Yes. Which theater? I have performed at the Detroit Opera House. I have performed at the Fillmore. I have not done Fox Theater yet. Okay. I have not done Fox Theater. I, I want to do. That's on my bucket list to do. Okay. Now, as far as far as as far as acting is concerned, uh, what theaters have you performed? Have you performed at any of those theaters, like um, Detroit Repertory or Detroit Public? No, most of the theaters that we did were not in Detroit. They were in like Dearborn. Ah, okay. Like Ford Theater. Oh, oh, okay. The Community Center. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you work with, uh, you, you've performed on stage with uh, independent theaters, yes. right? Okay. Okay. Yes. And, I, and, I, and, and most of the plays, I actually had a starring role. And the last play I did, it was uh, Mark Hunter's I Can't Make You Love Me. And it was myself with Jackie Christie from Basketball Wives. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Willie Taylor of Day 26. So it was, it was, it was great. He was my love interest in that. Oh, okay. <laughs> now you, the song, the name of the play was called "I Can't Make You Love Me." There's a song on your SoundCloud called "I Can't Make You Love Me." Did you make that song for the play? Yes, I wrote that. The director gave me an opportunity to uh, be able to write a song for the play, so I did that song for the play and myself and DeLorean Cotton. Got to sing that in the play, and the song blew up. Nice. Uh, yeah, the song blew up. So. Oh my gosh! Like that—that's—that's that's like that's just about every musical actor's dream to be able to write a song for a play or a musical that they're in. That's great. Good for you. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So, what would you say? What kind of mistakes that you've made in your career, and how are you a better artist because of it? I'm really nice. I'm so nice. And that's just not in my career. That's in life, period. I, I have my mother's heart. I don't like telling people no. I don't uh. like being angry or or mad or mean. I overgive. I overcompensate. I overcare. And sometimes I've gotten used. I've gotten taken mm-hmm. advantage of. Would you say that you're a people pleaser? I guess. I guess you would say that. <laughs> I guess, I guess you can say that. Yeah. I just I just want the people around me to be happy. Yeah. You know, and if there's something I can do to make that happen, even even if it means sacrificing something that I need, I'll do it. That's understandable. And I've had people come into my circle and they came in because they just saw me as a dollar sign or they saw mm-hmm. me getting booked for a lot of stuff so they wanted to be a part of it. But they were just coming because they wanted money but not to be a part of the vision. And I didn't see that. And I got used. 
in a lot of ways, hurtful ways. And it just taught me to really open my eyes and see, you know, who's for me, who's for my vision. And in the process, making sure that I am understanding and respecting their craft as musicians and artists as well. I don't, you know, I don't put my band members or my singers under contract. I mean, per gig, yes. Mm -hmm. Because I've had times where I would have a musician cancel on me the day of because they're getting... $25 higher pay, you know, from someone else. But if it's an emergency or something like that, then no. But it's just, yeah, I would say that's my biggest downfall is that I'm really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, really nice. Really nice. (laughs) Really nice. Like, me and my band and my singers, we're a family, you know, on top of them. Because some some people, they just show up to the gig, play, go home. No, we kick it. You know, I cook dinner for everybody. You know, what you're you going to get stuff at the gig. You're going to get paid on top of the gig. You need gas money. Like, I, I overgive, and I had to stop doing that because everybody doesn't deserve that. I had to stop because yeah. I would go home broke. Wow. And everybody else was going home with money in their pocket. So yeah. I had to stop doing a lot of that. How did you create those kind of boundaries for yourself? Do you give yourself, like, some type of mantra? Or have you said, no, I'm not going to do that? Or... Like, what ha- what kind of boundaries have you created for yourself? Boundaries that I have created for myself. I have, I'm not going to say I have. God has implemented people in my life to be able to say no for me. Okay. My stylist and my friend, I would like to also say she's my business partner because she invests in the brand that is Elise King mm-hmm. a lot. She reminds me, no, 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 no. This is a business. And you have business expenses and you expenses and you have to live too so even when I want to say yes she just reminds me that I can't keep putting other people's needs before my own I'm also and she look I'm, I'm laughing because she just got on the line <laughs> her ears must have been burning <laughs> I would have her sitting on my shoulder you know I call her Nick mm-hmm. hey Nikki she'll sit on my shoulder and when I want to overcompensate or overgive, little Nick will pop on my shoulder. No, 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 no. You know, she's one of those people. Also, I have friends that, you know, are in the business and they tell me, you know, at least you're too nice. You know, at least you're too nice. You can't overcompensate, especially when someone doesn't deserve it. You can't overgive or care too much, especially when some, someone doesn't deserve it. And then, if someone messes up or makes a mistake, at the end of the day, it's my name that's one of that paperwork. So I'm the yeah. person that gets those, you know, repercussions. So I have to still make that person take responsibility in some way, shape, or form, whether it's having a meeting or coming to an understanding. And if they can't come to that understanding, there's another discussion that has to be made or there's action that has to be taken. Mm-hmm. And... I have had to let people go. Um, I've had to part ways with people, and I don't like doing that, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't want nobody, you know, feeling no kind of way. But at right. the same token, I have a brand and a name that I have to protect. I have a business that I have to protect, and I, I expect everyone in my circle to portray, to uphold certain values, certain characteristics, and especially when we're at, at work, you know. I want I want them to walk away wanting to give us a recommendation for another event or another festival or another private gig or or something you know you guys your attitude was great you look great you guys sounded great your behavior was amazing 
I don't want to hear about, oh, well, uh, this person, uh, they took this or they were doing this or they were talking out loud or they came in smelling like weed. I, mm. No offense to what you do in your own personal life. Right. But when you, it's time to work, it's time to work. Straight professional when it comes to me. And we have a ball. We have an absolute ball. Nice. Things. I'm talking about, we'd be up there partying. <laughs> you know, we partying while getting paid and we having a good time. So that's my biggest thing is I, I'm too nice. I'm too giving. I just have to learn how to be the boss and not their friends all the time in business because I, I'm a sweet person (laughs) and my heart gets me into some really messed up situations and I'm even, I'm an emotional person and my feelings get hurt easy. So Mm. if I didn't went to bat for you or I didn't stage your you and then you turn around and you do something messed up to me, it's like, dang, well, I, I didn't, I kind of looked out for you and you kind of like going to bail on me on the performance or, you know, you're not going to do this or you're not going to do that. And it's just kind of like, dang, now nah, I'm looking to, right. so I just got to learn how to be more strict. Yeah. I hear you on that. I, I totally hear you on that. I can I can be that way sometimes too. And then it, I was uh, uh, when I was talking to our last to my last guest last week, um, Deborah Lane Spencer, she was one of the things that she was saying that she learned the value of no. And that's when she said that it, it was like she dropped a brick right in my hands. Like, wow. Like I'm still, I'm still learning the value of no. Yeah. I mean, I saying no is a powerful thing, you know, and it doesn't mean that, you know, that you're, that you're being disrespectful to anybody else, but it's just like, what's more important to me? Is it me for my self-respect or to please you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so what, so let me ask you this, describe a moment where you had to deal with a heckler. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, yeah. 
I've I've never I've personally never dealt with a heckler and because I'm I'm an actress myself. I've never dealt with a heckler, but I've dealt with those annoying laughs in the audience. <laughs> I had one where I was in a comedy as we were telling the jokes and making the audience laugh. It was just this one solitary laugh. It was just a, ah, and it was just, <laughs> it was the weirdest laugh. And then not only that, but it was making it worse for us to, to perform because he would just laugh at, ah, at the moments where we know that it's funny, but him laughing like that made it worse. So yeah. <laughs> you could be in the middle of a storm and someone's trying to get your attention while you're singing and they want to get your attention it's like I'm performing right now I can't come down there and talk to you you know right and then they keep calling you hey you hey hey baby hey you and I'm just like I can't talk right now I'm in the middle of performing when they want to shout songs request to you while you're singing this sing YBK this sing and I'm looking like I am not a DJ right a DJ has and a complete list of songs that they can choose from. I have a certain set of songs that I've been rehearsing singing. Right. <laughs> what would you say, uh, what kind of things do you do to keep your mental health in check and keep yourself performance ready? I like quiet. I don't know about a lot of musicians, but me, when I get home, I don't listen to music. I don't listen to music. Like on the ride home, I don't want to hear the radio. I don't want to hear the radio only because... I've just performed four hours of music. So I want to kind of just reflect. I want to relax. I want to ease my brain. Because you're always going over in your head the things that happened during the performance or how you can better the next performance or evaluating what the team did or how we can make things better as a team or trying to even incorporate the request that you heard being yelled at you. To be able to give the, the, you know, the audience what they want. To know that you aren't perfect. And that you're going to mess up. To know that it's okay to mess up on stage. Mm. Um, but to not make it obvious. I can't tell you how many times I have messed up on lyrics and nobody knew. To this day, I sing, I know I'm singing the wrong lyrics. <laughs> I have gotten accustomed to sing these lyrics. But you can't tell. Right. You can't tell because I have become the master of not being able to sing the right lyrics. But you can't tell. Because it sounds the same. I'm not perfect and that nobody's expecting me to be get up on stage and be perfect because as artists, I know as a creative, I'm very self-critical. Mm. So I will criticize myself to death. At least you did this wrong. At least you did that wrong. And I'm a Gemini. So, oh, goodness. Uh, but I'm the nice Gemini. I keep everything in here. Okay. I rarely express my feelings. Okay. So it will be a billion thoughts all at once. And then I got a migraine. So now I'm irritated. I don't want anyone to talk to me and I want to be by myself. So it's just really just going into my own little corner in my own little chair and just meditating. You better, you better quote Cinderella. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. Um, okay, so let me ask you just a couple more questions. I, I've got like three more questions and then we'll be all set. Now, 
what have you been working on during this um, shutdown? I have been writing. I have been writing a lot. Mm-hmm. I've been writing my thoughts, my feelings, songs, hooks. I've just been writing. I have been working um, more on, um, I've been networking a lot, reaching out to people as far as when the pandemic is over. I have been researching a lot of a lot more out-of-state gigs and festivals and things of that nature. I created, like, three new set lists for my band members to learn. So it's a lot of work that has to be done. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, so uh, that's uh, the main thing that I've been working on. It's time for me to put out a new project. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on that. I'm working on that. So uh, on your SoundCloud, um, you have nine songs, all, all your songs, correct? Now, are any of those on any albums? Is that all an album, or are they EPs? Or um, seven of the songs are on. It's on an EP called "In the Key of Soul." Okay. And then you have "I Can't Make You Love Me," which is a single, and then you have "Had Enough," which is a single. Okay. All right. Really nice. Um, what advice would would you have for aspiring singers such as yourself? That's a lot of advice. <laughs> doors close, no, no matter how many no's you get, all it takes is one door to open and one person to say yes. And when you get that opportunity, you show, excuse my language, them out and make them remember who you are and why they considered you for that opportunity. When you do that, the floodgates will go. They will open. They will overrun. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, when I got my first major opportunity, I was coming out of a bad spiral as far as music, I got one call to open for George Clinton, and I was not taking any prisoners. I showed out. Mm-hmm. From there, I landed my first big contract with the casino. Nice. And I held on, and from that, I was able to hold on to that contract for five years. I still have that, that contract now today, just from that. From that, I was able, like I said, I was able to play many stages, many festivals, do many opening acts. Um, Again, I had heard so many no's, so many doors got slammed in my face. But when I got that one opportunity, I showed my ass (laughs) when I got on stage. But behind the scenes, backstage, everything was professional. Everything was done correct and decent and in order. And everything afterwards was. So when you get that opportunity, you grab it by the horns and you ride it. Mm -hmm. You ride it. And you make sure that you're following And then our final, my final question for you is actually a suggestion from you, and it's called The Queen's Request. Okay, so I would like for you to suggest one or two Michigan Black women artists that of any genre, whether if it's acting or singing or dancing, what have you that you believe that we should all be keeping an eye out for? Just two? <laughs> I'll give you up to three. 
I'll give you up to three. Oh, oh, that's hard. <laughs> hard. I will definitely say Angela Davis. Okay. She is not the Angela Davis, but right. <laughs> first time I heard Angie. First time I saw Angie. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she's so cute, and she, she was so quiet. But when she opened her mouth, I was like, God damn. <laughs> I'm talking about absolutely flawless. I mean, amazing. Mm-hmm. And she just, her personality is so meek and laid back. You can't, And she has the biggest, prettiest smile on stage. It's just like, you can't help but just feel what she's singing mm-hmm. you know um and i believe yeah angie's a school teacher okay so it's like she she's able to she knows how to connect with you, you know right what I'm like i felt like a kid watching her like you know, you know <laughs> she is absolutely amazing okay and her personality is bubbly and warm and she's a very humble artist. I love that about her. Very humble. Very supporting of other women mm-hmm. and other artists, period. I love that. Oh, you said three. <laughs> I would say Brianna Nicole. Okay. She is actually uh, an artist in her own right, and she has some background for me. Let me tell you something. There are no words to her talent. Mm. She makes you absolutely speechless when she opens her mouth she has this big crazy personality but she's so shy Mm. and very timid she doubts herself a lot she because i know brie personally we have a personal relationship she knows she got it but she don't know what she got just yet but baby let me tell you something when she find out (laughs) because she's going to whip them to shreds that is how ridiculously talented she is. Mm-hmm. She can sing the ABCs and just make your whole body feel the chills. Wow. 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 Once she perfects that performance, that entertainer in her, that's just waiting the verse out, baby, she's going to be unstoppable. And she has a single out called Repay You, and it is absolutely amazing. Okay. And your third person? <laughs> Okay. The young lady you heard. Yes. I have to give it to Singer Rain. Again, I know all of these ladies personally. Singer mm-hmm. Rain is... She's got such a, a, a beautiful, deep alto voice. She, she, she's like, if, if like a lot of people say, and I, I agree, if they, Jasmine Sullivan and Brandy had a baby, it would be her. Yeah. Her tone, her rasp her vocal ability, what she's able to do. And most people don't know that she can hit Mariah Carey notes. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Her range is impeccable. Nice. It is impeccable. Her creativity is unheard of. I have literally sat and watched her write and record songs back to back, just pushing them out. And that's just recently. Mm. Before she would just get on the microphone and freestyle a song. Nice. Free, I mean, and just freestyle it. I mean, just off the dome. Who does that? Talent does that. Like, it's absolutely crazy. And as far as Singer 
there is no genre. I've heard her sing so many things. Mm-hmm. It's like you, there's no box. Once she gets in this business, the biggest mistake that they're going to do is try to put her in a genre and put her in a box because she's going to bust that box wide the hell open. Yep. Yep. So she reminds, and her style reminds me of like Tiana Taylor. Mm, like okay. Dad. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's like, I can't explain it, but those, that's my top three. Okay. <laughs> um, well, now is there. But if I had to give, because I can't do it, but I have, like I said, I have Angela Davis, I have Rihanna Nicole, Stinger Rain, Ray Get the Keys, Gwen Nation, Brittany Myrie, Beth Griffith. I'm talking, I mean, I, the list goes on so many. I can't. <laughs> When we done, I would love for you to drop those IG names for me so that way I can um, I can be in contact with them too. So you can get them on your show. Yes, definitely. Okay. <laughs> now, is there anything else that you want anything you want to promote? Anything else before we end our talk today? Just um right now, the only thing I want to say, and this is just specifically to my fellow creatives, I know that right now it's really rough for us. Um but the one thing I don't want us to do, and I have to tell myself this, I don't want us to allow our current situation to um, pull us in so deep that we get lost in what's going on. I want us to take this time to use this and create from it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad that you joined me today. This was such a great talk. I enjoyed the mess out of you today. Thank you. Thank you. And and thank you. And keep on cooking because I'm I'm look I'm looking at that food, girl. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, I will. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. You too. Bye bye.